recorded live in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Trivial Warfare. More than just a pub quiz, Trivial Warfare is your gateway to a worldwide trivia community. Join your hosts, Jonathan. We just described Ric Flair as Neanderthal <laughs> Man and Planet of the Apes. <laughs> Chris. Yo, we going down to Sesame Street. That's, that's, that's your impression of hardcore rap? No. <laughs> Carmella. That would irritate the hell out of me. I'm like, I just want my groceries. <laughs> my ice cream is melting. <laughs> ben. ben. Four halogens in that list. It was, oh, my God. You were like, it's not the halogens. I'm like, no, Ben, no. Those damn halogens got me again. <laughs> and the rest of the Trivial Warfare Army for another week of fun and games. Now here's your host, Jonathan Oaks. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Trivial Warfare. We are the podcast that takes the pub quiz out of the pub and brings it home to you. My name is Jonathan. This is episode number 268. I am joined today by Carmela Smith. Hello, Carmela. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Thank you. I am here with Chris Hollister. Hello, Chris. It is good to be back with my friends again. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. It's oh, good hey, to Dr. be Nick. here with you, too, <laughs> Dr. Nick. <laughs> we, okay! <laughs> we have a couple of awesome guests today. Brett Meyer is with us. Hello, Brett. Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Now, you're wearing, is it a hockey jersey of sorts? Or what is that? Yeah, it is. It is a, uh, a squadron hockey jersey. I'm in the Air Force up here in Alaska, and uh, we just got these in. So I'm trying to be comfortable and enjoy my quarantine. That yeah. is very cool. And uh, we're also joined by John Spees today. Hello, John. Hi, hi. Welcome back, my friend. Or no, this is your first time. Welcome aboard yeah. for the first time ever. Thank you. You've had another Spees. I have, brother. and and I've recorded with you on a different show that I'm sure you'll talk yes, about in have. a second. Sure. All right. So let's get to know you guys a little bit better. Uh, Brett, we'll start with you. Tell everybody where you're from, what you do, and something fun about yourself. Okay. Um, yep. I am originally from Nebraska, but I've kind of lived all over the place. I spent some time living down in Florida in Panama City, uh, and I'm currently living in Alaska in Anchorage, so it is bright and early here. <laughs> yeah. Something, yeah. <laughs> something fun about myself. I was trying to come up with something this morning with my wife, and uh, she thought I should mention that I am the kind of guy who, uh, when I need to wake up in the morning, I'm the guy who sets 15 different alarms, <laughs> and I'll wake up at least by the 10th one, and she loves it. <laughs> that would be me. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah <laughs> my alarm goes off for about an hour uh before i wake up in the morning <laughs> exactly exactly i uh at the night before depending on what kind of schedule i have the next morning i determine in advance how many times i'm allowed to snooze the next morning <laughs> before i go to bed <laughs> all right and brett i think you're the first person we've had on from or in alaska so this really? is uh, yeah i i honestly think we had we had south korea before we had alaska Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. No That's joke. Cool. Have we hit all the states yet, Jonathan? Uh, hell if I know. Are we keeping track of that? I'm sure we haven't had Wyoming. 
Poor Wyoming. I don't think we've had Montana. I'll just have my mom go over the border and have her call. There, I like that idea. <laughs> All right, and uh, John Spees, tell everybody where you're from, what you do, and something fun about yourself. Hi, uh, I'm John Spees. I'm from Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm an elementary music teacher currently. Um, that might change here in the fall. I might be going back to school. And something fun about myself is uh, I'm a co-host, along with my brother, of a couple different podcasts, uh, the most recent of which is called the Throwback Trivia Takedown, which we recently had all four members of the Trivial Warfare on as guests. Two different ones. We had uh, Jonathan versus Chris and Carmela versus Ben. That was a lot of fun. When do those episodes come out? As of today, uh, Jonathan and Chris's episode is going to come out next Tuesday. Fantastic. It, it, I agree with Jonathan. It was a blast. So by the time this comes out, your episode will be out. So That yes. sounds right. Very cool. And what's uh, that's the your your other show is the Blast from Our Past podcast? Uh yeah. And that one's kind of a nostalgic uh look back on different things of our past, which we also recently had Ben Young on for a top ten New Jack Swing songs episode. I bet that's awesome. Oh, uh, it was I bet a he lot of it. fun. I just finished editing it and it was so much fun. I'm definitely listening to that. Very cool. All right. Well, welcome to the show, guys. Uh we're gonna have a great time today and we're gonna start it off with a little game that we like to call Warm It Up Chris. It's time to warm it up on Trivial Warfare today. And there's only one person who can warm it up for the TWA. And that's Chris. And sometimes Jonathan. And today's Warm It Up Chris is brought to you by Jonathan. By the letter J. And the number 43. All right, so today's Warm It Up Chris I had a little fun. I, I got this idea the other day. I said, I'd like to name musicians, and I'm going to give you the name of the musician, and if they're associated with a band, a band, and I want you to tell me what instrument they're best known for playing. Okay? So I'm going to give you the name of the person and the band, and you're going to tell me what instrument they are best known for playing. Uh, we will start with Brett. Brett. All right. Cliff Burton. Metallica. Uh, Cliff Burton from Metallica. I feel like this should be an easy one, and I feel like I should know this, but it is not coming to my nugget right now. Uh, I'm going to go with, I'll just say guitar. We'll start easy. Does anybody want to help him out? It is, uh, it I is thought bass. it was drums. Oh, it's yeah, bass? It's bass. Okay. No, it's bass? Okay. It's Lars is the drummer. It's yeah. the bass okay. he was the original. He was the original bass player from Metallica. Who is the guitarist from Metallica? Kurt Why can't Hammett. I think of his name? There we go. Thank yeah. you. I so, knew it was somebody I would recognize. With Metallica, you have three people who have been there together forever, and you've had one rotating position, which was it's m- the bass player. Is the bass player? <laughs> it's it started with Burton, who was who was uh, amazing. I'm trying to think of the right word yeah. for influential, but beyond that, like experimental and just incredible. Oh, and he and, and he untimely passed away, right? He did. He died in a bus accident. Oh wow! Uh, their bus flipped and went off the road, and, and he passed away. Uh, and he they, he was replaced by Jason Newstead, who was also really great. Carmela, you're up next. What's up? I want you to tell me Don Henley from Eagles. Well, he's the drummer. He is primarily the drummer. Now, on his own songs, he also plays guitar sometimes, and obviously a vocal, one of their primary vocalists. John. Yes, sir. Allison Krauss from Allison Krauss in the Union Station. Uh, well, she's uh, she's the singer, and I believe she also plays fiddle and mandolin. She is known for fiddle, violin, and mandolin. 
Nice job nice. with the mandolin. Holy moly. In bluegrass music, a lot of people who play fiddle also play mandolin because the strings are the same. Oh, I didn't know that. That's good. That's good information right there. I like that. Chris, you get uh, Jerry Cantrell from Alice in Chains. Chains. Oh, man. I'm going to say lead guitar. He was their lead guitar. Great job. All right. Oh. <laughs> Ah, this is this is turning out to be a lot harder than I thought it was going to. So I'm like, okay, good. It seems like I'll everybody's doing one. great. Uh, Brett, you get uh, Karen Carpenter from The Carpenters. Hmm. Okay. Again, I'm not entirely sure off the bat what she plays, but I'm going to go with the drums. She was the it? drummer. There we well go. Wow, well nice. done. Well done. Uh, apparently, she was a very, very talented musician. She passed away early at the age of 32. Uh, Carmela. Okay. John Bonham from Led Zeppelin, also known uh, as Bonzo. Bonham was also a drummer. Bonham was a drummer. Great job. John Duff McKagan, Guns N' Roses. Uh, beer. Believe- he played beer. <laughs> <laughs> March. Beer me. I believe Duff was also the bass player for Guns N' Roses. Ding, ding, ding. Great job. Duff is one of my favorite musicians. Uh, he was the bass player for Guns N' Roses, and uh, he wrote a, an autobiography. He's a writer now, and uh, he wrote an autobiography called It's So Easy. And if you're interested in Guns N' Roses at all, it is a fantastic book. Really, really interesting stuff. Chris, you get John Bermuda Shorts from Weird Al Yankovic. Ah, uh, I believe he is their drummer. He is their drummer. Great job. Boom. Shorts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brett, you get Nancy Wilson from Heart. That sounds, ooh, Carmela, I feel like you know this one right off the bat. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with keyboard because nobody said that one yet. No? No. <laughs> Carmela, do you want to help him? Uh, she is one of the best guitar players in rock and roll. <laughs> she was their lead guitar, and she is fantastic. They started off as a, a Led Zeppelin, Zeppelin cover band, so she learned kind of playing those songs. So she's she's amazing. Did they? I anyway, sorry. That 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 was that was uncanny how close that was to the actual riff well done well done (laughs) we have been treated oh thanks jonathan (laughs) love you too carmella uh nina simone i'm not gonna say a band she was in a lot of different bands but uh, this is her primary instrument piano she is a pianist great job i'm impressed you guys are doing fantastically and an amazing vocalist. Oh, wow. Oh, so good. All right, John, you get Trey Cool from Green Day. He is the drummer. He is the drummer. He is one of the almost reasons all I drummers. <laughs> he's one of the reasons I almost I started playing drums when I was in middle school. Really? Yeah. Did you want to be Quattro Cool? <laughs> no, that wasn't funny. I that wanted- seemed funny Ooh. to me. <laughs> Chris, I love that. That was good stuff. Chris, you get Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I see some nods, and uh, I'm not one of them that are nodding. So I'm going to say um, rhythm guitarist. Uh, he was lead guitar. 
He was a guitarist. Oh, okay. He wasn't rhythm. They didn't actually have enough people in the band regularly to have a rhythm guitarist standalone. Did they have three or four? I believe they were three. I'm not 100% sure, though. I'm pretty sure it was Ozzy, Tony, and a drummer. Gotcha. All right. Do y'all want to go one more time around? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. If you got them. I got them. Brett, how about uh, Darcy Retsky from Smashing Pumpkins? Again, I'm going to have to guess guitar on that. That sounds like a guitarist name. Does anybody want to help him out? She was the bass player. She was definitely the ah. bass player. Uh, Eha was the uh was the lead guitar on Smashing Pumpkins. I can't remember his first name, but yeah, you're right. I think it's James, but I'm not 100% it, sure. It is. It's James Eha. Yeah. I saw them on their last recent tour through Las Vegas. Oh, cool. Uh, Carmela, you get Ron Wood from the Rolling Stones. Drummer. Bass guitar. Bass guitar. That was yeah. my first guess. I was like, no, that's not right. <laughs> I think uh, I think the drummer is Charlie Watts, or at least last name Watts, I think. Yes. Yes? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. All right, John, you get uh, Sheila E. She is a fantastic percussionist or she drummer. Is a percussionist? Yes, hundred percent. She hasn't really been. She was associated with Prince in the New Generation, uh, but she's never really been a long term member of any single band. She's she's kind of done her own thing, and she's great. Uh, Chris, Mike Love, the Beach Boys. Oh, I want to say he was the bassist. This was a trick question. He didn't play an instrument. He was only the vocalist. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Mike Love was their primary singer. Mm, And that nice. All right, fair enough. That is your warm it up, Chris. Question of the episode. Great job, Jonathan. That was fun. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, Before we get started with the game, I want to let you know that. If you want to support the show, you can do that by going to TrivialWarfareArmy.com and signing up as a lieutenant or higher on Patreon. That's $5 a month, and what that gets you is two extra episodes a month. That's right. This is a weekly show, but only half of those... I'm sorry. Yes, this is a weekly show, but uh, it's only two weeks out of a month that the free shows come out, and we do two episodes for patrons only each month as well so trivialwarfarearmy.com becoming a lieutenant or more gets you every episode we've ever done and our higher tiers gets you access to come on to the show and play like these two awesome gentlemen brett and john who are going to play with us right now today's game is jonathan and brett versus carmella and john chris is hosting and it's time to play the game play us Oh, yeah. Y'all know what time it is. This is Mr. Literature himself, cordially inviting you to the game. This is six rounds of trivia goodness. Three questions per round. Every right answer gets you 10 points. In the middle, we'll take a pause for the cause and ask a midpoint question worth up to 20 juicy points. After round six, you can wager any or all those points you've been building up and take a shot at the final round. It's a series of theme-based questions we call the gauntlet. It's just that easy, baby. But this game ain't gonna play itself, players. Let's get it on. So, the last time I hosted, which was just a few episodes ago, um, one of the feedbacks I got was I made the questions way too hard. And so... Uh, when it came time for Jonathan and uh, and Katie in the background to figure out who was going to be hosting this time around, 
Carmella said, you know what? You should let Chris do it. And I was like, uh, crap. I sucked the last time I did it. You I don't know what to suck, do here. dude. Nobody said that. Nobody, no, but my brain said that. So that's how I, and I'm just being honest. That's how I felt. And so, but then I had an idea. What if I didn't write any of the questions for this episode? What if I enlisted some Trivial Warfare members to help me out? And so I am very fortunate to be friends, not only in the show, but all out of the show with the, the gang that they call themselves the Sinister Six. And that's Dan Lundberg, Wesley Wells, Jeffrey Segurton, uh, Scott Barber, Mike Cameron, and, um, uh, and Philip Sanford. And I shot them a message said, Hey guys, are y'all interested in helping me write this show? And they were like, absolutely. And we probably had two fun filled days of going back and forth through Facebook messenger, shooting questions back and forth, answering questions and coming up with today's show. So I'm about as excited for a show as I've ever been with this one. This is fantastic. So everybody, um, j- just about everybody got a full round and I'll exp- tell you who wrote the question and whatnot, uh, when that time comes, but I uh, just a deep appreciation and thank you to those six members of the trivial warfare army who have been here for since almost the beginning found their friendship through the, uh, through trivial warfare. And I'm just so grateful for them for helping out with this. And I'm, like I said, I'm just genuinely excited about it. So thank you again to those guys. And, uh, now I'm ready to play the game. You know what? Uh, it, since you mentioned it a long time, Jeffrey Segurtan was our first patron and is our longest consecutive months patron. That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's yeah. very cool. The number one. Very, very cool. All right. So the round one is brought to you by Dan Lundberg. So thank you, Dan. And the first question in round one is the category is don't give me any of that bad attitude. The question is with his own brand of breakfast cereal featured prominently in Pee Wee's Big Adventure, which 1980s icon had his own Saturday morning cartoon in which he coached a gymnastics team that traveled the world solving mysteries? All right, we're going to lock in. All right. So, uh, uh, John- Jonathan and Brett, you can talk about it. So, Brett, I, we're both stuck here. Yeah. So, it's an 80s icon. It's not a gymnast teacher. It's not like Bella Caroli or somebody like that. It's just like an 80s icon. So, we're talking about... Hulk Hogan or um, or Richard Simmons or Sergeant Slaughter or Smokey the Bear or Hulk Hogan's an interesting take though. I could very much see him being a uh, a prominent like cartoon figure. Well, I just he can't did think a cartoon, of... but it was called yeah. Hulk Hogan. It was Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling, and that's yeah. not a team of gymnasts. I can't remember the cartoon at all. At all, and so it would need to be somebody who could legitimately. It would you would think it would need to be somebody who could reasonably be seen to, to coach a gymnast team. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know though, bro. I don't think it's Hulk Hogan. I feel like I would know that one, Mister T. Maybe, maybe there was a there was a Mister T cartoon. Yeah, he's an eighties icon. You know what? Pee-wee's Big Adventure, maybe there's a cereal called Mr. T's, and like they're all shaped like T's. That could be a good cereal. Why don't we go Mr. T? It. All right. I'm okay locking that in. All right. We're going to lock in Mr. T. All right. Carmel and John. Um, BA, bad attitude. We said Mr. T. 
And the answer is Mr. T. Carmella caught on to the uh, Carmella and John caught on to the category. Well done. I didn't know that's what B.A. Baracus stood for. Didn't? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's yeah. B.A. stood for bad attitude. Baracus was uh, was the cereal called Mr. T's. Yes, it was Mr. T's. So good because he was like, I pity the fool that eats my cereal. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so happy. Uh, your second question in the Dan Lundberg round is uh, the category is Double Trouble. It's actually a pretty straightforward question. Who is the first and only U.S. president so far to have twin children? Who is the first and only U.S. president to have twin twin children? All right, we're locked in. Look at the smarty pants on you guys. So, Brett, were Barbara and Jenna Bush twins? I'm trying to think. I didn't think that they were initially, but... Uh... No, what else are you thinking? That's literally the only thing that I'm thinking. I'm uh, I'm decent with presidents and orders and things that they did. I'm much less decent at their family members and other bits about their lives. Okay. Yeah, I'm okay going the bushes. Uh, I think that that's a decent answer at least. I, I don't have anything else. Okay. Chris, did you want the name of the president? Or did you want Yes, I need I need the name of the president, please. All right, we're gonna say George W. Bush. Okay, and Carmel and John. They were the Bush twins. We said George W. Bush. Nice the, work, Jonathan. And the answer is George W. Bush. Well done, everybody. Jonathan is a happy camper today right now. No, we, just, we just got two guesses right in a row. I'm <laughs> really happy. All right, your last question in the Dan Lundberg round is, Sergeant Pepper never served with him. It sounds like you're saying the last question in the Dan Lundberg round. <laughs> well, anyway, the last question in round one is, Sergeant Pepper never served with him. And the question is, in the song Strawberry Fields Forever, John Lennon references the titular orphanage, which was operated by which religious charitable organization which was founded in 1865 by a Methodist minister. All right, we're locked in. What was the category name again? It is Sergeant Pepper never served with him. Okay, yeah. I see what you're saying, Brett. Okay, yeah. um, so we were talking, and I threw out YMCA, and I threw out Salvation Army, and Brett, you felt strongly about one of them, it seemed like. Yeah, I liked Salvation Army just matching the category name there of Sergeant Pepper never served with him. Okay. That, yeah, served. I get it. Okay. The timing kind of makes sense. Yeah. All right. We'll go Salvation Army. Okay. John and Carmella. Um, we had a similar conversation, but we were between Peace Corps and Salvation Army, and we went with Salvation Army. Okay. So both with the same answer, and both teams are correct. The answer is Salvation Army. That was a great round of questions, Dan. Well done. All right, so after one round, we got a perfect game going on so far. Jonathan and Brett, 30 points. Carmela and John, 30 points. Let's see what Wesley Wells in round two has in store for you. So again, these three questions are by Wesley, so thank you very much, Wesley. Wesley. Oh, Wesley. (laughs) So your first question category is a Broadway question that is hard as hell. Great. And just to let you know, Wesley was the one that wrote this. So, what musical by Aeneas Mitchell, a modern retelling of the myth of Orpheus and Eurydice, won the 2019 Tony Award for Best Musical? Okay, we're locked in. So, I was 
talking to Brett and I was saying that the Orpheus and Eurydice myth is the one where he goes into hell and plays music, I think, to lull Hades or something like that, and they're escaping from hell. And the one rule is if he looks back, she's going to be trapped there forever, and, and that dumbass looks back. And so she ends up being trapped there forever. So that's the story of Orpheus and Eurydice. We need to figure out a musical from 2019, or, or one that won in the 2019 awards season, so maybe it's from 2018, that mirrors that experience. It is at this point that my extreme lack of knowledge of current musicals is going to do us in. <laughs> yeah. The only musical that I can name that might be in the right time period is Dear Evan Hansen. And I'm almost certain that it's not Dear Evan Hansen, but I cannot name another musical that came out in the what feels like it came out in the right time period. Yeah, I am going to be absolutely no help on this one. Musicals is not a strong suit of mine. So I'm okay locking in with whatever you want to go with. Okay, well, then I guess we're going with Dear Evan Hansen for a lack of knowledge of any other musicals to name. <laughs> All right, John and Carmella. We didn't know, did we, John? No, not at all. <laughs> so uh, we didn't want to spend a whole lot of time trying to figure it out because we didn't know. So I just came up with something that had the word hell in it. So uh, we said, come hell or high water. I'd watch it. Okay. <laughs> well, you guys were right about the clue. Uh, Jonathan actually was a little bit closer when you talked about Hades. And the answer is Hades Town. Hades Town. Oh, oh yeah. I've, I've heard, heard of that. that. <laughs> oh, Golly Moses, that frustrates me. And I love that. I love that question, Wesley. That was a lot of fun, even though it was terrible for me to say it. And you say you don't root against your opponents. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't think I've ever said that. You always give me a hard time when I do it. <laughs> So, okay, so Wesley's second question in the round, the category is gray a color. So the category is gray a color. Yes. Question is. We get points. All right. Thank you. Okay, fair enough. Anyway, the question is arrangement in gray and black number one is more commonly known by what name after the figure depicted in the painting? We're locked in. I've got a good amount of thunder here, Brett. I like it. I'm saying. Come out. (laughs) (laughs) and uh we're gonna go with whistler's mother okay john and carmella go ahead john uh we also went with whistler's mother and whistler's answer for this question is in fact whistler's mother well done everybody very cool right all right meow meow it is and your third question in round two um is uh the category is names the same and the question is what last name is shared by the first Latinx justice on the Supreme Court and the 1992 gold medalist and current world record holder in the men's pole vault? Two extra points or two bonus points if you can name both people's first names. Are you saying, when you're asking the question at the beginning, are you saying Latinx? I'm not familiar. It's Latinx. Yes. Latinx. Latinx. Latin, uh, Latin or Latina. Latinx is the gender neutral term for it. Gotcha. Thank you. That's all right. We're locked in. Okay. Uh, Supreme Court justice is not a real strength, Brett. But I mean, there's Sotomayor. I know she, some... she has Hispanic um, 
heritage. Yeah. For some reason, the name Garcia is coming to mind. I know that's a common last name, but I feel like there might have been a Justice Garcia or something like that. Does that ring a bell to you at all? It doesn't ring a bell to me at all. I mean, I, I don't. I definitely don't have encyclopedic knowledge of Supreme Court. I, I have a decent knowledge of major names. I'm not running across a Garcia in my mind. Okay. I just I would be surprised if there was a another Sotomayor that had like a that was a pole vault champion. I mean, I guess it could happen, obviously, but I'm kind of leaning more towards a, a more common name. I I understand that leaning. Uh, I my my side would be if I know that at least I can name somebody with um, a Latin background, then I would go that way because that may be the only one. Valid. Yeah, I definitely don't have any thunder. It was just something that I initially thought, but uh, we know Sotomayor is at least a valid answer, so I'm okay going with that. All right, we're going to lock that in, and I don't have a guess for the names. I'm I'm fine not trying to get the bonus. Yeah. Well, we did take a shot at the bonus. We're pretty sure we're not right, but we did try. Uh, we said Sotomayor. Sonia Sotomayor is the justice, and we tried uh, Juan for the pole vaulter. Okay. Well, you both got it correct. It is Sotomayor is nice. the correct answer. And Sonia obviously is the justice, and Javier Sotomayor was Javier. the pole vaulter. Okay. So, does that sound a little more familiar to you, Carmela? No, or just but the last name? The, yeah, or the, the first name, I should say. I was like, oh, Javier, that's a good first name. <laughs> I, I <laughs> uh, no, actually, I went to school with someone named Javier. So, ah, I got like, you. Oh, okay. okay. After two rounds, it is fifty to fifty, so still all tied up. Great job, So Wesley. close game so far. So going into your third round, it is brought to you by TWA historian Scott Barber. And Scott was uh, very excited about these questions, and uh, I'll explain after all three are asked why. All right, your first category, the, ca- uh, the category name, or the first question, the category name is count to 10, aim and fire. And the question is, according to the 1963 book, Noted American Duels and Hostile Encounters by Hamilton Cochran, Rule 17 states that it is the duty of which persons to fix the time of the duel in terms of the firing. We're locked in. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I threw out uh, like their first. I don't know what you think about that, though. That does sound good. I was trying to think of that before. I couldn't think of what the name was. Yeah. Uh, the only other one I could think of would maybe be the, the, the challengee, the one who was challenged, gets the pick. Mm-hmm. But I do like I like the first better. Yeah, because he said persons. Um, okay. So maybe it uh, now that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but I think that's what they're called. I think they call them their firsts. So I got nothing better than that. I'm fine with that. All right. So we're gonna say the firsts. Okay. So John and Brett. Uh, we went Jonathan with, and Brett. Excuse me. We went with the seconds. They're uh, they negotiate the time and place according to Hamilton. All right. And uh, Jonathan, remembering the musical well, the answer is second. Oh. There's second. I got the number wrong. (laughs) Sorry, John. (laughs) That's all right. So your second question in the Scott Barber round is, uh, the category is, maybe they just wanted to show him the city lights. Now, I will warn you, uh, like many of Scott's questions, and Scott himself, this is a little wordy, so let me (laughs) read it out. Oh, (laughs) jeez. 
I think he'd agree with that, so it's okay. <laughs> anyway, in early 1978, the family of this comedic legend was contacted to let them know that the star was being held for ransom in lieu of a payment of around 400,000 pounds. The family was not willing to cooperate, and he was returned around 11 weeks later unharmed. Name this person who is entirely unaware of his own abduction, seeing as he died months before on Christmas Day, 1977. Jonathan, I'm, I'm relatively confident in this one. Do you want a thunder bomb? Yeah, go ahead and throw the thunder bomb. Meow, meow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing that means y'all are locked in. We're locked in. All right, John, you had a guess, and I can't think of anybody else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm... The first name that came to my head was uh, Benny Hill, but I wor- I'm worried that's too early. That yeah. That's too early for um, for his death. And other than that, but other than that, I can't think of anyone else as, as I far can't as comedic, either. British comedic legends. I mean, I got nothing better than Benny Hill. I think that's probably our best bet. Okay, we'll lock in Benny Hill. So, Brett, before before you brought your thunder, the names I had written down were Lenny Bruce, Benny Hill, and Graham Chapman. They named two of the three, and I don't know if Lenny Bruce is British, but your name was none of those, so why don't you talk about it? Fair enough. Uh, I just remember the story, or I, I think I remember the story. 1978 sounded like the right time frame, but I know Charlie Chaplin had died around that time, and it kind of fit with the question. I, I think he was grave robbed at some point, and the people who did the grave robbing held his like remains for ransom which would make sense why in the question he was unaware that he was held for ransom so we locked in with charlie chaplin you know what stinks i just read that question on a sporkle quiz this morning oh Oh, no (laughs) oh no so and the answer is charlie chaplin i'm sorry carmella no you're good So, uh, and just to let you know, Alfred Hawthorne Benny Hill uh, died in 1992. Oh, I was way off. Alfred All right. So your third question category is in movie libidos. And the question is, Justin Timberlake played the lead male role in Friends with Benefits, which was released in July 2011 and grossed about $150 million worldwide. But it would have probably been much more appropriate for him to have appeared in a very similar film released in January of that same year, which earned about about the same amount in a role that went to Ashton Kutcher. So I'm looking for the other movie title. We're locked in. Okay. How good are you with Ashton Kutcher movies, uh, Brett? So he plays in a movie, and correct me if I'm wrong, but he plays in a movie where they get married in Vegas, and then they try to get it annulled or something like this. Is this ringing a bell? Nope. The judge orders them to, the judge orders them to stay together uh, for like a certain amount of time, and of course they end up like falling in love or something like that. Oh, I'm thinking it, that that's Ashton Kutcher. Is it called Till and Death Do We Part frame, or something like that? I don't know this movie. I'm just guessing based on the description you just gave. Yeah. That name, I don't think that that name is correct. I am trying to think. I'm pretty confident that that's Ashton Kutcher. But let me give me two seconds to try to think of what the title of the movie was. You got more than two seconds, dude. What? Why would it be more appropriate for Justin Timberlake? That's the, the whole, the whole part of including question. Justin Timberlake in this question at all means there's something about Justin Timberlake that makes it more makes it similar to him in particular the i don't know ashton kutcher movies dude 
I know, dude, where's my car? That's all I got there. I'm pretty confident it's not that one. Was there another? So, Friends with Benefits with Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis. No, it was uh, Justin Timberlake and Mila Kunis, right? Does Justin yeah. Timberlake have a, a significant other? Maybe that was the person with Ashton Kutcher in that movie? Yeah, I'm not sure on that one. Okay. Uh, I'm drawing a big blank on the name of that movie. And that might not even be the right movie, to be honest, but that was just the first thing I thought. So Justin Timberlake is a rock star actor, rock star, whatever, music musician. Um, was Ashton Kutcher a musician in any movies? Nope, that's not ringing a bell. Nope. Oh, I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to come up with the title for this. I, I, I don't know the connection between the two movies. I And I, I, I don't know anything about Ashton Kutcher's movies. So yeah. I'm, I'm not able Sorry, to Jonathan, help. Jonathan, I'm not coming up with anything. No? Okay. Well, I mean, based on the plot, do you want to go with Till Death Do We Part? Yeah. I, yeah, we'll go with that. All right. We will guess Till Death Do We Part. So the movie that you guys are thinking of, he did with Brittany Murphy, and it was called Just Married. Hmm. But this was like one of those Hollywood phenomenons where the same kind of movie comes out around the same time. Uh, but No Strings Attached is uh, is the name of the movie, and it's also the name of a um, in sync album. Oh, no strings attached. <laughs> the one where they did it, the marionettes video. Yes. Yeah. So it was a movie that Ashton Kutcher did with Natalie Portman. All right. Carmela caught on to the Justin Timberlake part of it. And yes, uh, NSYNC's second album was called No Strings Attached. And so is the movie with uh, Ashton Kutcher in it. So well done, Carmela and John, on that one. So, wow. I tell you what, this is a slugfest. After three rounds, Jonathan and Brett was 70 points. Carmela and John was 70 points. We're all tied up. Mm. All right. So we're going to the midpoint. And the midpoint is brought to you by Mike Cameron. So thank you, Mike. And your category is sports ball. And the question is, name the four oldest NFL teams that still play in the original city in which they were founded, i.e. they have never relocated. Oh, my goodness. Las Vegas Raiders. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not talk about them. (laughs) Oh, what are you from, Vegas? You don't like this? No, I was totally against the idea of having them come to Vegas. Yes. Wow. This is fascinating. I would love to hear more about this later on. Okay, we're locked in. Okay. So, Brett, yeah, I'm right there with you about the NFC North, uh, not the Vikings. Uh, maybe the Bears, that worries me. I I don't know if he's considering metro area, like, like the area around the city or not. I assume that he is. I don't know how far away they were, though. I feel like the Detroit Lions have been playing since the 20s. Yeah, I like. And the, I'm not aware of them moving. I like the Lions. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Packers? I don't know much about their history before the Super Bowl era. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. They did come to mind. I actually feel better about the Cleveland Browns, but no, no, uh, that's gonna be tricky because they left town, then they didn't play for a while, and now they're back. I think we got to exclude the Browns because that's tricky. You know what I mean? Okay, we're, yeah, I'm with you there. Where did the Steelers get their start? I think the Steelers got their start in the AFL. I don't think they're one of the originals. Um, I think the 60s or 50s. Um, in particular, I know before Chuck Knoll, they were a moribund okay. organization. And so they were young and hadn't. I don't I don't think that that's one of the right answers. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, if I was naming old teams, I'd be going Browns, Bears, Lions, Packers. When? How long ago? The how about the Giants? They've moved stadiums. They moved from the Meadowlands to the to the place they are now. So I don't know. They're still New York. That's, that's tricky too. Yeah. The Falcons Agreed. are the '60s. The Dolphins are too young. It's not the Patriots. It's not the Bills or the Jets. I don't think it's going to be any of the West Coast teams. The Chiefs are an AFL team, so they would have got their start in the 50s, maybe the 40s. The thing is, is it doesn't preclude them from being the right answer because maybe the uh, maybe there aren't enough old ones that have never moved. Exactly. There could be three that kind of match the old NFL yeah. and an old or a 1950s or 60s AFL team that yeah. still meets this requirement. I mean, I th- I don't think the Packers have moved, and I think they're going to be older than the oldest AFL team. Agreed. I can't think of the Packers anywhere else other than in Green Bay. So I want to say Lions and Packers for sure. Okay. I want to exclude the Browns because of the move to Baltimore and the shift and the, the gap between when they had a team and when they don't. So then the Bears, do you know where outside of Chicago they were? So my understanding, I mean, I know they started as the, what, the Staley Decaters, and I thought that it was in the Chicago, like, area. Now, if it's the Chicago I area, I think that we got to go with them. Okay. So that gives us the Packers, the Lions, the Bears, and then the oldest of the AFL teams that hasn't moved would be the Chiefs, I think. I think the Chiefs might be a good answer here for the fourth yeah, I'd I'd be okay locking in with the Chiefs as our fourth answer. Okay, so we we're gonna do that. We're gonna say Lions, Packers, Bears, and Chiefs. Um so the only one that I had any confidence in was the Packers. And then we just kind of named teams from there. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh so we ended with the Packers, the Cowboys, the Patriots, and the Saints. Okay. So your answers are, and here's in chronological order. So 1921, the Green Bay Packers. In 1925, the New York Giants. Darn it. So they, mm. you count them as not moving, even though they moved stadiums in cities where they play? Well, but they never changed their name, and they never changed the last name of it. They technically, uh, they were never relocated from that city. Okay. So, all right. The 1933, and Jonathan, you talked about them. But the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, my gosh. Mm. Yes. And finally, in 1933 also, the Philadelphia Eagles. Wow. Wow. No idea that they were that old. So did the Detroit Lions move before 1920-something? Because they were around in the 20s, I thought. Let me double-check for you. Just a moment. Uh, Actually, apparently, Portsmouth, Ohio. Oh, wow. Really? That's what it says. I've never even heard of Portsmouth, Ohio. Sorry, Portsmouth, Ohio. <laughs> I'm sure you're lovely. They yes, started, they used to be the Portsmouth started, Spartans. Yeah, Portsmouth started Spartans and then moved in 1934. And then the Bears. So um, when did the Bears start? The Bears were actually, the. Uh, he was 100% right about Decatur, but I think Decatur is their own city, our own town. Oh, he's, Decatur so. was the name of the team. Staley was the first part is what he said. Oh, they were the Decatur Staley's, not the Staley Decatur's. So Decatur was the city. Yep. 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 Okay. Yeah, and it was uh, the company, it was uh, a food starch company in Decatur, Illinois. So, well, the good news is you both got the same number right. 
which is which both gave you five points. So at the end of uh, the uh, halftime or midpoint, it's 75-75. So the slugfest still continues. This next round is actually not by one person. There's uh, three different people that wrote the questions for this one. Because in Dan Lundberg's words, Chris, Chris, please, please, you have to do this song. I would pay real money for you to do this song. Okay. Did you make him pay real money for you to do this? Well, he reminded me that he was a Patreon, so technically, yes, he did. You're right. Can't argue with that kind of logic. Yeah. So, anyway, the category of this is Chris Rolls Back Music a Thousand Years. And, as I said, Dan Lundberg wrote it. So, I want you to name this 2002 number two Billboard Hot 100 song by the following lyrics. Little hellions, kids feeling rebellious, embarrass their parents, still listen to Elvis, they start feeling like prisoners, helpless, till someone comes along on a mission and yells. I'm not saying that word. All right. So let me read, so let me read what the read the lyrics. <laughs> Why did you stop? That was enjoyable. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm not saying that last word, but I will repeat it, and then you and I will tell you what the last word s- sounds like. Itch at the end of it. All right. So, little hellions, kids feeling rebellious, embarrass their parents. Hey, slow down a little still, bit. Slow down a little bit. Oh, I'm so I'm so, I'm sorry. I'm forgetting. You're right. And my please forgive me. Little, little hellions, hellions, kids feeling rebellious, embarrass their parents. Still listen to Elvis. Okay. Mm-hmm. They start feeling like prisoners, helpless, till someone comes along on a mission and yells the B word. So again, little hellions, kids feeling rebellious, embarrass their parents, still listen to Elvis. They start feeling like prisoners, helpless, till someone comes along on a mission and yells. I'm not saying that word. Your singing has completely confused me. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's as if you no. cast a spell in D and D, and we have plus two confused. And what's what's worse is that I I think I know the answer, but Chris's singing is making it so that I'm now questioning it. <laughs> throw me throw me the guess on your chat here. You're welcome. <laughs> and Jonathan's praying. We're we're locked in. Okay. Uh, Brent, Jonathan, how I, good of a rapper are you? Not at all. And so I can't. I'm going to need yeah. you to rap, bro. <sighs> Why does he have to do it? Because he's the one who's <laughs> thinking of the song. I need I need to get a beat or a rhythm in order to put these words to it to know if you're right. Because I was listening. So you were saying you were saying Eminem. Yeah. Right. <laughs> these two. <Yeah>. These two. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that doesn't look like they're dancing to Eminem, though. No, I was, I was going to say, Jonathan, if, if you need a beat, I could. Do... <laughs> <laughs> that never fails to be funny. Never fails. Uh, so, if you can help me get to the beat of the Eminem song, I probably know it. At least I would have known the song because I listened to that. That would have been the year for the Marshall Mathers LP. Yeah. 2001 right mm-hmm. so what did that song sound like chris's singing now made it so that it's tough to get it, the actual beat of the song in my head do you so need a, do you need a palate cleanser like i can do an eminem song <laughs> and help you get to eminem 
Would that help? The, so the still listen to Elvis, like embarrass their parents, still listen to Elvis. I know that, or I'm pretty confident that that is an Eminem lyric. It's one of those where you just, you know, you recognize like a little snippet of the song, but you can't actually think of the beat yeah, like, that so goes along with it. I remember in that era, I remember the song, The Way I Am, and that I'm, I, I'm not fitting these words in with that. Um, but you're saying without me and I don't remember without me at all. I don't remember this song. This would have been pre curtain call. This would have been the Stan album. A num- wait, 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 hold on, dude. A number two hit. Was Eminem hitting number two on the hot 100 in 2001 with Marshall Mathers LP songs? I don't know. Maybe he was, Yeah. he wasn't with the album before this. He wasn't. I mean, songs like like Lose Yourself was kind of around that time, and no, that was huge, right? No, that was, was years later. That was years later. Okay. Well, then maybe I'm off here. I would that, have thought that, this was like, this sounds like Green Day kind of stuff to me. You know what I mean? I really, I, just the first thing that I thought of was Eminem. You could be right, but that was just that gut feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. Well, and that's tough because I believe in gut feelings. Yeah. So I know, I know, yeah, that Without Me is the first song that I'm thinking of, but, and of course I'm not able to come up with the actual, like, chorus for it, but I know that that is an Eminem song. You know what, though? Hey, I, I don't have a better answer. I, I, I'm not thinking of one, so I, I'm, yeah. I'm okay to go with your answer and just hope that you're hitting the wavelength here. Right, I'm let's not go ahead and lock it in. It. All right, we're going to say without me. Okay. And Carmela and John. Go ahead, Carmela. <laughs> I was just telling John to have this chorus stuck in my head all day. It's like, this looks like a job for me. So everybody just follow me because we, we need a little controversy because it feels so empty without me. Um, John came up with it, but it, we said without me. Oh, Little Hellions, feeling rebellious, embarrass their parents, still listen to Elvis. The answer is Without Me by Eminem. I am so pumped for you, dude. By the way, Jonathan, Lose Yourself was released as a soundtrack on October 28, 2002. Oh, my God. The 2002 movie, Eight Mile. Yeah, Eight Mile came out a while ago. I thought that was like 2006, 2007-ish. Woo. Mm -mm. So nice job, everybody. So proud. So great job, Dan, with a fun song for me to have fun with. So that was good stuff. All right. Your second question in the round for uh, Smorgasbord is by Mike Cameron, and the category is in science. Science. And Mike's question for you is, we all know that Mars is the red planet because, well, it looks red. But that's because the thin layer of red dust that we're seeing isn't just ordinary dust. But what common corrosive compound found on Earth? We're locked in. All right. So, Brett, I think it's rust, but yeah, I think I he's like looking that. for the compound name. And I think that's iron oxide. So do you want to go iron oxide? Yeah, I like locking in iron oxide. All right. We're saying iron oxide. So, John, uh, I hesitated a little bit with it because the wording it says it's a corrosive material. And I just think of it as being a corroded material mm. but we also said iron oxide rust it's corroded okay <laughs> <laughs> that was my name in high school oh <laughs> wow 
All right, and the answer is iron oxide, a.k.a. rust. Well Ooh, done, wow. everybody. All right. So your third question in the smorgasbord round is, is the category, and this is by Wesley Wells, so thank you, Wesley. It, the category is a rational ma math question. All right, and uh, just to let you know, you have, a mul you have multiple choice at the end of these, okay? Wesley's question is, give an example of a number that is a rational number but not an integer. Again, the question is, give a number, uh, excuse me, give an example of a number that is a rational number but not an integer. And your choices are pi, negative two, one half, zero, 42, or I. And as I told Wesley, I could not answer this question if you gave me one choice. All right. Yeah, Chris, we'll be locked in. Meow, meow. No, no. No, no. <laughs> mew, mew. No, no. <laughs> Now it just sounds like you're calling for my grandfather. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. no, no. <laughs> well, I'll tell you guys what we've been talking about so far. I know pi is not an irrational, or is not a rational number. Um, Forty-two is an integer. We weren't sure, John, if negatives are considered rational. I know i is the variable for an imaginary number, and I don't think those are rational. So that leaves us really with the one half, the negative two, and the zero. I don't know if if one half is considered rational because it's a fraction. Mm -hmm. I think I think the negative two is still an integer because it's a whole okay. number and it's 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 you can see it on the grid. So that would leave us with zero. It's not really. It's kind of like its own thing. I'm good with that. I teach music, not maths. <laughs> That's fair. But there's math in music. There is, but not <laughs> so, that kind. Not that kind of math. Um, yeah, I, I think zero is going to be our best bet. So that's what we're going to lock in with. Okay. Uh, Jonathan and Brett. Yeah, we were, uh, I'm pretty confident rational is something that can just be expressed as a fraction. So two, essentially using two integers to express a fraction. So that leaves, that takes out pi and I, and then like you said, not an integer, so not a whole number. So we, uh, I settled at least pretty quickly on one half and Jonathan, uh, it sounded like you ended up agreeing in it. So we locked in one half. Okay. So, uh, Wesley's uh, answer is this, any number that can be expressed as a fraction, but not as a counting number, including negatives. So one half is the correct answer. Wow. Well, yeah. I, I didn't know where to put one half. Numbers right. like pi, numbers like pi or square two are not correct. I love this question because there's an infinite number of correct answers, but an even more infinite number of incorrect answers. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> so I was I initially said, "Hey, it sounds like it would be pi because it's not an integer," uh, and and Brett correctly explained that because it's continuous, that means it's not rational. And I'm like, "Okay, you've just you've just outstripped me, so I'm going to go with whatever you tell me." <laughs> So after four rounds, Jonathan and Brett have pulled off to a slim lead. It's 105 to 95. So now we are going to uh, the round five, uh, written by what the men, the guys call him the machine. It's Jeffrey Seguritan. So Jeffrey, thank you. The first question in the category is umbrella terms. Umbrella terms. And the question is, what single word is shared by the National Women's Soccer League franchise of superstar athlete Megan Rapinoe and a 2010 CW drama series set in the 16th century England 
featuring actress Megan Fellows. Follows, excuse me. We're locked in. Yeah, Jonathan, I got a whole lot of nothing oh, on this one. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Okay, so I don't know Megan Rapinoe's nickname. Part of me just wanted to say the stallion so she could be Megan the Stallion. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, who's, who's, uh, who, I, there's a song that I'm getting pretty well versed with because of TikTok now. Oh, it must be Savage. It is absolutely Savage. <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's catchy, that's for sure. So she might be called the captain. She might be called the queen. She could be called the king. I don't know any CW shows. I, I saw it about Outlander. I don't know of that. That sounds like HBO to me. You mentioned the Tudors at the end. Yeah, Tudors. What was your thought 15th, on that? So 16th century, that is when the Tudors yeah. were were there, but why would you call why would you call Megan Rapinoe Tudor? Maybe she's We call uh, her the other Boleyn girl. I, I, that doesn't help me, right? Yeah. The queen would be more likely, I think. Because there were Tudor queens. Problem is, I don't know. I've never heard of a show just called The Queen. Was there a show called Elizabeth? No, why would they call her Elizabeth? That's stupid. I bro, I don't know, man. I say in I say in the absence of anything else, we go just with Tudors. I mean that or the Tudor, because that I mean that is at least a way to describe somebody that could be a nickname. Maybe she's like tutoring the younger teammates or no, something like no. that. Like I know, no Tudor is T U D O R. Not tutor, which is to teach. That's T U T or Sure, but okay. Yeah, you would even if they even if they sound the same, those are two totally different words. So yeah. that couldn't be the right answer. I think Well then you, I will I think you're I yeah, think I'm good with, to go going, with whatever you want. Yeah, I think we should go with the Queen. Alright. Let's go with it. Alright, we're gonna say Queen. So we kinda didn't know. We were like, okay, sixteenth century England, probably something royal. And then I remembered there was a show called Rain, but I didn't know what channel it was on. But then I remembered the uh, category was umbrella term and umbrellas guard you from rain, even though it's spelled differently. So that kind of helped us lock in rain. Okay. And the answer is rain. Wow. Nice. Nice pull. That was incredible. Yeah, and Jonathan, it's not Megan Rapinoe's nickname. It's the it's the National Women's Soccer League franchise she that she plays on. Oh, because the question was, what single word is shared by National Women's Soccer League franchise of superstar athlete Megan Rapinoe? Yeah, I didn't. Maybe I, I read it too fast. I didn't comprehend that at all. Okay, but well done on um, umbrella terms. That's pretty cool. All right. So your second uh, Jeffrey question, the category is a barrel of dance monkeys. Jeffrey said he knew that you're loving the TikTok, Jonathan. So here's a TikTok question for you. Picking her stage name because of affinity for recreational drugs and companion pets, what music artist achieved her first Billboard Hot 100 top 10 hit in April 2020 with a song that became extremely popular as a dance challenge on TikTok. Brett, I don't want to lock in yet. I don't know about the TikTok part, but I'm pretty sure of the name, so we're going to lock in. Oh, now I'm struggling, dude, because the, the what was the category name? A Barrel, Barrel of Dance, dance monkeys. monkeys. So Dance Monkey is a song by Tones and I. Yeah, that was my just That's initial thought. Me I too. Liked that. But what does that have to do with 
with companion animals. And I don't know a Tones and I song that's a huge dance thing right now, but the one that we just talked about with Megan the Stallion, Savage, is a huge dance song on on TikTok, and her name has Stallion in it. I I'm I'm really struggling with the idea that it's set up to be Tones and I. I mean, I obviously don't know all the dance crazes on TikTok, but I. I figured saw the savage one enough to look it to look it up and find out that that was the person that Carmela had been talking about. Dude, I'm struggling with this. So drugs and pets. The problem is tones and I obviously is was before April 2020. Well, that doesn't mean that that was a number one hit though. So she was. I remember she was on like um, Jimmy Fallon in December. Oh, the live performance from Jimmy Fallon in December. Oh, I recommend that. It is so good. She is really, really talented. But what is what is what does that have to do with animals? On a side note, have you seen the music video for the Dance Monkey song? No, uh, it's, it's worth funny. watching. Oh, it's really I'll funny. Watch. I'll definitely watch it. I like her. She is. She is. Uh, she is really cool. Oh, we're so young too. I'm leaning towards that, dude. Yeah, I'm. I was fifty-fifty on tones and I, but uh, that answer does make sense. So I'm okay going Megan the Stallion. Oh my God, we're gonna go Megan the Stallion. We're locked in. Oh. All right, Carmel and John. Well, uh, I uh, I don't know the TikTok part of it, but I do know uh, that this person has a a two part name. The first part is a reference to marijuana, and the first and the second part is a pet, and that's Doja Cat. So, and now it's probably for the song Say So. All right. So, Doja Cat. Okay. And the answer is Doja Cat. What? <laughs> nice, nice one, Carmel. Well, could, do you know, could you do any of the song? How does that go? Oh, well, now I have Juicy stuck in my head, not Say So. Um, <laughs> hold on. I'm you kids, uh, you, you kids and your popular songs these days. I, I, I'll, I'll send it to you. Oh, no, I'm, <laughs> I want everybody to hear it. How do you spell Doja Cat? <laughs> D-O-J-A. Say so. I'm just going to pop right in the middle of it for a second here. No, I don't want an Avengers Endgame 10-minute <laughs> thing. What the hell? I searched for Doja Cat. <laughs> I hit play on Doja Cat. Okay, yeah. yeah I, don't, say not, so. I don't know if I've run across that dance uh, on, on TikTok, but good for her. So. Yeah, good poll. Yeah, that's Carmela. The last two questions... Fire. So for your third question in uh, Jeffrey's round, uh, the category is out of office. And the question is the hammer, the anvil, the pusher, and the crimp area are all key components of what commonplace device? Again, the question is the hammer, the anvil, the pusher, and the crimp area are all key components of what commonplace device? We're locked in. So I immediately started thinking of like hair straightening kind of things. I could imagine how one piece would press on the other and that could be an anvil and a hammer, but you caught something that I didn't. Yeah, I heard the category of out of office. And so immediately I started thinking hammer, anvil, and pusher kind of makes me think of printer, Um, like the hammer anvil type thing being what's actually like potentially like putting the letters on the paper, the pusher moving the paper around. But I don't know what a crimper is. Neither do I. <laughs> Honestly, the first thing I thought of were wrestlers. 
<laughs> when he's like the hammer, <laughs> the anvil, I'm like Valentine and Nightheart. Okay, what else you got? <laughs> uh, yeah, I can go printer, dude. I'm cool with that. Yeah, it seems like a common device. I, yeah, unless we got anything else, I'm I'm okay going printer. Let's do it. All right, let's lock in printer. I I kind of took a stab. My wife has been using this machine a lot, and I feel like I've heard her use these terms. Of course, I just could be putting this into my head but we guessed a sewing machine so uh bright caught the category out of office and uh norman is still looking for a swing line stapler and the answer is stapler oh stapler oh. crimper must Hammer. be the part at the bottom the crimp area is the bottom i've i've never heard of any of those pieces of a stapler <laughs> We were so close. When you said Norman, I, there are a brand of printers called Norman Printers. I thought you were uh, right. No, it's Swingling Stapler. Where's my red Swingling Daper? So, wow. The sec, uh, the fifth round was a uh, separation round for sure because uh, John and Carmelo were bound by 10 going into this round, but now are up by 10. It is 115, Carmelo and John, to Jonathan and Brett's 105. Great round. I, I have nothing but respect for that performance in that round. So going into round six, uh, Philip Sanford. Thank you so much, Philip. We appreciate this. All right. Your first question, the category is in TV themes. And your question is, Alabama 3 was an obscure British band until one of their songs became the theme song for what iconic hit HBO show that lasted from 1999 to 2007? The show is closely associated with a state that is certainly not Alabama. We're going to lock in. I don't, do you remember how the Sopranos song goes? Not particularly. The dates. I'm just kind of basing that. Yeah, the dates. On the dates, sound yeah. Right. And HBO wasn't producing a ton of different shows back then. I mean, you could say it was associated with, what was it, New Jersey or wherever they were from? Yeah. The Wire I like the Sopranos. The Wire wasn't HBO, was it? The Wire was HBO, I think, but I don't think that was 91. Was it HBO? I mean, it didn't... No, he didn't say 91. He said 1999 to 2007. Chris, what were the dates on that again? Jonathan said it right. It was 1999 okay. to 2007. Oh. I mean, The Wire is very much associated with uh, a state. That would kind of make some sense. I know, Baltimore. That's why I was thinking yeah. about it. But so... um. Um, The Wire, it wasn't AMC? I really thought The Wire was HBO. I really thought it wasn't. I, I don't. Do you remember how long The Sopranos ran? I mean, was it about... Uh, those date, if, if I mean, when I heard those dates, they rang out as Sopranos to me. The came, that, like, that would have been the year after South Park came out when it started. It was, uh, it wasn't a super long-running show... You know what I, I i would I would put it behind the Sopranos. That's that's I guess that's the best I could say. Fair enough. Okay, I'm kind of leaning the wire, but I if you like the Sopranos, I'm okay going with that. We know that that's an HBO show at least. No doubt about that. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna say the Sopranos. Okay, Carmelo and John. Pretty sure the wire was a little bit later, but I had to hear about the show fairly often because the main married couple in the show oh. was. Tony and Carmela Soprano. Carmella. And my brother's name is Tony. So <laughs> <laughs> we said Sopranos. Okay. Just to let you know, uh, The Wire was an HBO series. Oh, my God. Okay. So there was that. But the song was called uh, Woke Up This Morning, 
And it was the th- theme for The Sopranos. Nice. Man. All right. Great job, everybody. Okay, your second category is music and current events. And the question is, the theme song for the movie That Thing You Do was written by Adam Schlesinger, who was recently passed away from complications from COVID-19. Schlesinger was a founding member of what band? Named for, uh, named for a since-demolished roadside store. We're locked in. Brett, I'm most familiar with Stacy's mom. That's that's pretty much the, the thing that I know them for. I think they did Hey Julie, too. Uh, we yeah. said Fountains of Wayne. Uh, we also said Fountains of Wayne. Okay. And the answer is, yes, in fact, Fountain, Fountains of Wayne. He was a very, very gifted songwriter as well as musician. And honestly, it just sucks. He wrote all the music, uh, for the most part, to uh, the show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Oh, so, didn't know that. That's yeah, interesting. It's, okay. It's a very musical show. He pretty much wrote all the music for it. All right. And your final question before we go into the gauntlet, uh, the category is U.S. history. And uh, I'll be honest, I think this is the toughest question of the bunch. So here we go. For two months in 1784, the French Arms Tavern and what state capital served as a de facto capital of the United States. And the answer to the question is a capital city? That's correct, yes, sir. We're locked in. Brett, I'm, I'm working on a couple of things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Yorktown, I believe, is in New York. But Yorktown was 81, and I think the treaties and all that were signed in 83-ish, 84-ish. So... Um, then there's that line in the musical Hamilton. There's a whole song about how Hamilton negotiated the capital away from New York down to the Maryland, Virginia area to where Washington DC is. So it makes me think that it's New York, but that's, that's during the period of Washington's presidency, which didn't start until after 1889, because before that, this would have been, Articles of Confederation territory, right? So uh, I think they would have still been in the general vicinity of New York, but I don't think it's Albany. That's too far north. Yeah, that's really far away. So maybe it's Trenton. Trenton, New Jersey is not too far away. Isn't Concord the capital of Connecticut? No, Hartford. Yeah. Hartford, Hartford. Connecticut's right there. I could see it being either Trenton or or Hartford, I guess. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I'm leaning away from Albany just because of how far away it is. But I kind of like Trenton. What about Philadelphia? I know, I know, it's not. I mean, it's not super. It's not that close to New York City, but that's where Independence Hall was. That was the starting point for the the Republic, right? Yeah. Is there anything in the French Arms Tavern, the name of the place? I mean, or, or the area, like, do any of these ring French to you? No. No, the only capital that rings French to me is is Baton Rouge. Yeah. Yeah, it's not Baton Rouge, bro. Not Des Moines? Des Moines was, I thought about it, but I wasn't 100% sure it was French. <laughs> <laughs> Des Moines. Yeah. Also, probably not the right answer. <laughs> you know what? That's a good point. On the other hand, maybe they were trying to be away from the war itself. Like Trenton was a battle. New York was a battle. 
I don't know if Hartford was a battle or not. I could totally see, I could see it maybe being Albany just for them to get away from all the battle fronts. Jeez, dude, I don't know. I feel like it's in the area, but I don't know. We're, we're guessing here. Yeah. What do you like better between Trenton and Philadelphia? Those are the two that I have the most thunder on. I'd say Trenton between those two. Then we're going to lock in Trenton. So John steered me away from Philadelphia um, because pretty sure Philadelphia is not the capital of Pennsylvania. So John She's got be really good logic with that statement right there. <laughs> that is some yeah. strong logic. Because I that always do that. To argue against. I always do that. I'm like, oh, Philadelphia. Like, he's like, no. And I was like, oh, it's Harrisburg, isn't it? And he's like, yeah. So, John, why don't you tell him what we came up with? <laughs> All right. So I threw out Boston. And we thought maybe, I mean, that's not terribly far from from there. And it sounds like something uh, – the the writers would do to throw in a question about Boston because they know Jonathan hates it. So that's so we went with Boston. You okay. know, you know, that's not bad logic at all. It's not bad at all. They do this to me. Fountains of Wayne was uh, created because of a store in Wayne, New Jersey. The Sopranos was in New Jersey. Yeah. The answer for this question is Trenton, New Jersey. Oh yeah, nice. yeah. Nice. <laughs> and that's what Phil was going after on that one. Oh, Not the tweak of Jonathan, but the New Jersey angle. Wow. So, an already amazing episode, back and forth stuff. And I'm happy to say that going into the gauntlet, we were all tied up. Jonathan and Brett, 135. Carmella and John, 135. Wow. And your Kotlet category was brought to you by Wesley Wells. And the category is, he says it's a whole month of 420. A whole month of 420. And it's by Wesley? Yes, it is. And I will tell you, it surprised me. <laughs> Damn. I was just about to say, well, it's not marijuana. But now it surprised you, so maybe it is. Maybe Wesley's been exploring. It's Doja. 100%. And this has been such a great episode. You guys are amazing. Just four gladiators in, a, in an arena just duking it out. I think I'm more hiding behind Carmella than duking it out. <laughs> I do it every time I'm, I'm, I'm uh, teamed up with her. I ride on her coattails like nobody's business. All right, our wager's locked in. Our wager is locked in as well. Okay, cool. All right. So your first question... Uh, in the whole month of 420s gauntlet is Mary Jane Kelly is the last canonical victim of what notorious serial killer? All right, we're going to lock in. We're locked in. Your second question in a whole month of 420, Zola Budd was a long-distance runner known for running barefoot. She competed in the 3,000 meters at the 1984 Olympics for Great Britain. Due to her protest of the racial segregation policies of what country for whom she did run for at the same event in 1992. All right. We're locked in. All right. We'll do that. We're locked in. Your last question in the whole month of 420. The infamous dictator Pol Pot governed the Democratic Republic of Kampuchea from 1976 to 1979. 
as the leader of what Cambodian Communist Party? We're locked in. How strongly do you feel about that, John? Oh, I'm, I got all the thunder in the world. Not you. You don't ever let anyone call you John, especially not me. I know, but it was fun to respond anyway. <laughs> it's the only thing I could think of. Then, then let's go with it because I got, I got nothing. I mean, I know who the person is, but I couldn't tell you what party you belong to. So, I think that's going to be our best answer. All right. All We're right. Locked We're locked in. Okay, everybody. So I'm going to repeat the questions. Have you guys answer them, and uh, we'll go from there. So the first question in a whole month of 420. Mary Jane Kelly is the last canonical victim of what notorious serial killer? Carmela and John, let's start with you all first. So we thought canonical was kind of a weird word to use. So that pushed us uh, towards Jack the Ripper, and that's what we went with. Okay. Same exact logic. Uh, Jack the Ripper felt right to begin with, and then it was like, yeah, and why? What? What? What's canonical? I mean, if it was like Jeffrey Dahmer, it would just be on the record. So uh, we said Jack the Ripper. Okay. Zola Bud was the long distance runner for running barefoot. She competed in the 3,000 meters at the 1984 Olympics for Great Britain due to her protest of the racial segregation policies of what country for whom she ran the same event in 1992. Jonathan and Brett. I mean, we didn't have great logic here. We wanted a country that had some kind of relationship with England. And we thought maybe if it was Australia, the policies she was protesting could have been related to the Aboriginal people. So we said Australia. It's not a bad guess. We didn't go with Australia. Uh, 1992, that would have been like right after the end of apartheid. Uh, So we said South Africa. Okay. And the final question the infamous dictator Pol Pot gov- uh, governed the Re- Democratic Republic of Kampuchea from 1976 to 1979 as the leader of what Cambodian Communist Party? Carmela and John. So I only had one thing uh, stick to my head, and and that was Khmer Rouge, since communists are red, so we went with Khmer Rouge. Okay. And Brett and Jonathan. So uh, highly recommend... The uh, Pol Pot episode of Misinformation back from Dictator December. Uh, you learn a lot about this guy, and you would get this information about Kamir Rouge. <laughs> Dictator December. That's fantastic. <laughs> it was dark. Okay. It was so dark. So we're going to start with the first and the third and end with the last one and see what happens. So Mary Jane Kelly was the last victim of Jack the Ripper. Chimer Rouge or Chimer Rouge was the leader or was the Communist Party. So well done, everybody. So two for two. Now we come to the gist. What country did Zola Bud run for in 1992? The answer is South Africa. Uh, yes! Yes! <laughs> yes! Yes! Oh. <laughs> I was so worried when you started talking about Australia. I'm like, Damn, that could be it. <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing to how I felt when you mentioned South Africa. I was like, yeah, no, because Brett brought up South Africa. Hmm. Oh, it's going to be uh, Jones in a little bit. All right. So unfortunately, there's no drama here. But Carmel and John, or excuse me, Jonathan and Brett, what was y'all's bet? We thought that the most likely outcome was that uh, we all miss one, probably. So we bet zero. Oh. Interesting. Okay. No, I take that back. There could be some drama here. So Carmela and John, if y'all bet zero, we're going to rock, paper, scissors, lizard, Spock. Let's find out. What did y'all bet? Well, I was talking to John and I was like, well, the tie game, 
the only two real viable options are zero or everything. And we've been doing great. So we bet everything. Wow. <laughs> wow. That was gutsy. And with the final score of 270 to 135, your Trivial Warfare winners for this episode is Carmela and John. Well wow. done. Great job. Man. Great game. My, my head's off to Carmela because she really pulled our team on that one. This was a really well, really well done game. Really competitive. Really well written. Good job, everybody. And you're, yeah. you're an awesome teammate, John. You you contributed a lot. Don't don't say that I did everything. <laughs> <laughs> And again, thank you so much to all six members of the Sinister Six. You guys are amazing. Great questions. That was a lot of fun to host. And great job. Like I said, y'all were like a, a, a warriors in, a, in an arena. That was awesome to watch. That was fun. All right. Well, before we go, we'd like to give everybody a chance to do shout outs or promote a cause they care about. So, Brett, we'll start with you. Sure. Yeah. Just want to say thanks for, for having me on. This was a lot of fun. That was a really fun game. Uh, and I want to give a big shout out to my wife who is an avid listener as well. And she has been dealing with our puppy uh, this Aww. entire time to allow me to do this. And what's so, her name? <laughs> Haley. Haley Meyer. So big Haley. shout out to her. I'm sure Hi, she's going to be excited. Thank you, Haley. All right. And uh, John, your turn. Uh, so... I would be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to uh, my kids, uh, Avery and Rowan, who also love this show and listen to it a lot, uh, especially since I listen to to it in the car. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Carmel and Ben did get to say hi to them. Um, And then I also just just to uh, reiterate the the podcast that we had uh, everyone on uh, the Ben will be on the blast from our past podcast and uh, all four of the uh, uh, TWFX will be on the throwback trivia takedown podcast and you can find both at bfopnetwork.com say that a little slower so everybody can understand vfop no b bfopnetwork.com it's like blast from our past our past bfop bfop got it okay sorry i i hate i didn't mean to belabor that but (laughs) it's okay i also wanted to make sure that if you're promoting the website that that people understood what it was all right well cool that's going to wrap us up so for Carmela and Chris and John and Brett, this is Jonathan, and this has been another episode of Trivial Warfare, where it's not just trivia, it's war. Bye, guys. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to Trivial Warfare. Be sure to check out the revamped TrivialWarfare.com as your one-stop shop to submit questions join the community, and get access to over 150 archived episodes. Warm It Up was written and performed by Matthew Stevens. This episode was edited and produced by me, Joel Sharpton. For help with your podcast, visit propodcastingservices.com.